0: Thursday morning, which means that it's time for today's community segment with Thomas Wasson, host and writer of Loaded and Rolling. Thomas, you are our enterprise fleet expert, which means that you know a lot about what goes on with big fleets. With big fleets often comes big nuclear verdicts. So that's what we're talking about today and on your episode of Loaded and Rolling this week. What's going on with the amount of money that these carriers are being held responsible
1: for? Well, unfortunately, it just keeps rising. Fun factoids here. I'm going to pull up my statistics. I got two screens. Bear with me. ATRI data, uh, 2010, the average verdict was around 2.3 million. You want to qualify for a nuclear verdict, it needs to be around 10 million now. Talk about inflation. By 2018, we rise nearly 1,000%, and we're looking at approximately 22.3 million. So you think, okay, well, maybe it won't get any more. Just kidding. Uh, data by a uh, Marathon Strategies talking about it, looking at cases, said that by 2022, we were at $65.4 million, uh, in awards. So looking at the situation in general, we hear about uh, nuclear verdicts. These are for smaller fleets. Your larger ones, Werner had recently, the past year or two, had a, like a $200 million verdict. And so uh, looking at insurance, when we talked about to our guest, It's kind of a big problem because if you're self-insured like a large fleet, you don't want to have to pay potentially $200 million. But if you're a small fleet, it could quite literally put yourself out of business.
0: And Thomas, when you're looking at these increases, what does this do for insurance and really that barrier to entry to get into the transportation game overall?
1: Well, the interesting things I learned, spoke with Joe Nibley, VP at Milepost Insurance. Uh, They do commercial and auto insurance. Uh, one thing, FMCSA is federal. When we set standards of hours of service and what you do for work, your actual operating the business follows Uncle Sam's rules. But when you got to get your insurance, it actually follows state rules. That's why when we hear like Blue Cross of Tennessee or Blue Cross of Texas, well, Blue Cross had to get permissions and play ball in each of those states. So uh, the folks at Mileposter in the thirty states are like part of Berkshire Hathaway, uh, one of the subsidiaries and such. but What is fascinating to think about is if you are starting a company, a trucking company, it really does matter where, location, location, location. Cities that are full of people have more accidents, so more policies and potentially nuclear verdicts. If you live in the middle of nowhere, like Junction City, Kansas, you may get a good rate, but good luck trying to get a decent meal.
0: So Thomas, the interesting thing about nuclear verdicts is that oftentimes when they get handed down to a lot of these trucking companies, and companies aren't necessarily the ones that pay, right? We think about the decision that was handed down to Warner, as you mentioned, over $200 million. That doesn't mean that Warner itself is going to be out that $200 million. That money is going to come pieced around from different places. Some of it will go to the plaintiffs, to the people who were awarded that money. Some of it will end up in the pockets of the lawyers. Of course, that has to do with a lot of it as well as the fact that we see lawyers getting into the transportation space really ready to claw after some of those nuclear verdicts. Do we think that that is helping kind of prop up almost like a... a false inflationary effect, the fact that we're seeing a lot of these nuclear verdicts being handed down, not just to the people who deserve them, but also to the people who are in the law space.
1: Oh, yeah. You get a good accident claim. And like, if I lost a limb or had a child that died, lawyers can get upwards of millions of dollars. Uh, It can take between a third and half of depending upon how long the case takes, how long it takes to go to court. So ironically enough, while these lawyers serve a purpose which is trying to collect damages for plaintiffs there is a reason that these opportunistic things you know there's a reason leeches exist in a swamp but at the same time for a lawyer it can be very very lucrative because like i mentioned earlier you're taking a cut of it now what we're seeing is an arms race in certain jurisdictions certain judges certain juries uh we have not found the ceiling yet of what constitutes a reasonable amount of How much you have to pay if something happens. The worst irony, the worst part of the joke is even if the the tractor or the trailer had ELD and it's not the driver's fault, when you have 80,000 pounds of gross weight, all it takes is somebody dying and they could have made the mistake and then you're still having to pay because if a jury does award it damages, even if you're not held criminally liable you may have a civil suit at your hand and you know the the civil suit could be awarding damages as well so it's a it's a very tricky situation for motor carriers because instead of chasing ambulances we found out it's much more efficient to chase 18 wheelers and right now it's a honeypot on 18 wheels
0: and thomas that's an interesting point there because i was gonna be you my next question is what is that upper limit and what does that look like do you anticipate that we are getting there quicker Or do you think this is still has some legs under it, maybe some years to go?
1: I think we have some years to go. Your average average person, especially in these kinds of suits, and if you get a jury that's favorable, I don't think a person can, uh, just to give an example, uh, you know, little Billy was going to soccer practice. Uh, his parents decided to blow through a stop sign, got T-boned by an 18-wheeler on a highway. Little Billy is no longer with us. I don't think a jury is going to figure out what the upward limit of what's reasonable uh, for that is when, uh, you know, the, the vehicle's now flattened like a pancake. So that's the challenge we have. And if for the issue that it brings, uh, we, uh, we spoke about Governor DeSantis doing a Florida uh, House bill that's attempting to uh, at least put a form of cap. Uh, it, when we when we see situations like this, the problem becomes that if your state does not do something to put some form of guidelines on this what it looks like for a payout, you do risk making it more difficult to have commerce operate in your state because the underwriters of the insurance are going to think, The policy I gave you a year ago no longer matters because the cost of my payouts has quadrupled. So that's where we're going into. It's like a lingering cough. It's a potential situation where if a state doesn't get pay attention to this, and if we don't put put anything in place to try and either standardize these awards or put some forms of limiters, then it may be a situation where carriers will not operate in your state, and you're going to pay more for goods because. Uh, the risk is way too high. We're going to see this in very large metros and cities. California AB5 had an interesting impact as well because if you are now classified as an employee, you have to pay workman's comp. You'd be surprised how many times a driver falls out of his truck. I had one do it earlier. Then use three points of contact. Now we're paying him worker's comp because he decided to not look down when he was attempting to leave his vehicle. Situations like this means that when we look at the influx of motor carrier numbers, we could be seeing situations where, Uh, These these drivers who were owner operators under a carrier are now getting kicked out because the company doesn't want to pay for the additional insurance costs. So there's a lot of stuff that we haven't paid attention to, at least in the industry and unpacked. and major media outlets are are not really focusing on it because, you know, you normally don't get a really good lead or a byline until something happens like a supply chain disruption. Then we suddenly start paying attention
0: or a $200 million verdict. Thomas, both Anthony and I were very surprised that you did not open this nuclear verdict segment with an Oppenheimer joke. So I'm gonna give you the opportunity. Do you have one off of the top of your head right here or no?
1: I don't have a good joke, but I have a great story. Oppenheimer, whenever Truman was dropping the bomb, shows up in President Truman's office. And uh, basically Truman tells Oppenheimer to get the heck away and and calls him like a few names as well. Uh, Basically a weepy man because Oppenheimer was pining and feeling so bad for making the the bomb. But Truman basically said, Oppenheimer, you made the bomb, but I'm the one who had to use it. So I hope I got to see the movie. Maybe they'll put that scene and see Cillian Murphy uh, break some tears down in the Oval Office.
0: Thomas had no Oppenheimer joke, but here's to hoping that your newsletter and your show blow up this week. Thanks for joining us, Thomas. We'll talk to you later on. Have a great rest of your day. <laughs> and we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with more fruit Waves Now.